Well, thank you and welcome. If you're at Psalm 148, you can put a little uh, bookmark there and we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, we'll continue the summer of Psalms, like I said, and we are um, in Psalm 148. Last week, we looked at Psalm 73. And we'll look at the repeated theme that we closed with last week. Again, the Psalms are just a collection of songs and prayers expressing the heart and soul of humanity in the form of prayers, of praise, of worship, and confession. There's 150 of them. 73, approximately 50% are written by David. 51 are anonymous. That's approximately a third of those. And the remaining 20%, 12 are written by Asaph. You remember that's who wrote that one last week that we looked at. He's the leader of David's Levitical choir. And nine by the sons of Korah, two by Solomon, and one each by Haman, Ethan, and Moses. Psalm 148 specifically is a psalm of praise. And last week... We looked at the psalmist Asaph perplexed, as it were, as he looked at the world in its seemed to be prosperous and carefree state. That is, until he entered the sanctuary and concluded, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you take me into glory. Who have I in heaven but you? I have nothing I desire beside you. Today, as we look at Psalm 148, we'll start just by bookending this with this is a psalm of praise. So we're starting with praise and we're ending with praise. And my, my fear would be that if we just opened this up and started to list all of the praises that are in this, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, the heavens, Praise Him in the heavens above. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, angels. Praise Him, praise Him. The first question to my mind, this is just the way I think, is for what? If, if there are non-believers here this morning or, or folks new in their walk, okay, well, I mean, the world's pretty good. I live in the United States of America. I have a nice house. I'm a pretty good guy. Well, I, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful, relatively. You know, I mean, I'm a good guy. I mean, I, I work, I do good things for Him. I mean... He, I, he should be proud of me. And I do thank him. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I don't want us to go in with a presumption of this, this morning in this praise that, that they're just words and that we're just um, intellectually elevating ourselves, or we're just going to try to um, volitionally stir up a little, a little heartfelt praise, just a little bit. Because we, after all, tomorrow I start work again. And after all, I do have sickness in my family. After all, uh, we are praying for a family whose son lays on an operating table right now with his heart wide open. And the, the, so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's burdening me right now. So we'll try to stir up and muster up a little praise as best we can. I just want to pause for a minute, and between those bookends of Psalm 148 of praise and praise, I'm going to fill this in with maybe just a, a little bit of context, about 5,000 years worth. We won't spend 5,000 in the sermon, hopefully, because we have a short video afterwards. But I do want to spend a little bit of time setting the context. In his commentary on Psalm 148, Earl Rodmacher said, the people are pictured here as an animal whose strength is in its horn. That is, they are near. 
When we consider the meaning of God's holiness, he says, the marvel that he approaches us to mercifully provide for us becomes overwhelming. God's mercy, when we approach Coram Deo, when we are in the face of God, like we were encouraging and exhorting you last week to stay in his presence, stay in a constant posture of pray, prayer, stay in his word as often as you possibly can and in as much as you possibly can. And we looked at some of the great saints that had gone before us and some more recent saints in those biographies of Eric Little and Oswald Chambers. And there's a plethora of other great saints and biographies that we can read wherein the reason they had such a fingerprint, a punctuation and and an imprint on this culture, and the reason that they left such a legacy is they'd spent arduous, ferocious time in prayer and in his word. And their, their, their life was modeled just the way that Jesus was. And that's what we want to do here. And when we do stay in the face of God, quorum Deo, the Latin word of that, standing in his presence, we become like Isaiah in chapter 6. We're undone, and then we become overwhelmed, overwhelmed, as Rodmacher said, with his mercy and his grace. And that's why we praise the Lord. God's mercy and grace are overwhelming. When we really stop to consider all that he has done for us, the length to which he has gone to save us, the thousands of years... He has patiently waited for us. It is overwhelming. And that's why we praise him. When people of our culture refer to Christians as narrow-minded, or that our God's, our our God, I can't imagine a narrow-minded God that wouldn't provide many different ways to him. Should we not pause like R.C. Sproul said and say, Dearly beloved, I am shocked that he provided one. Not that he would provide many, but that he even provided one. And as we just real briefly, maybe for the next five minutes, let's just start in the Garden of Eden. He, He reaches down and he creates man out of the dust of the earth and he says, you know, I'm gonna give you everything. You're free to eat. And we'll have communion with one another and it's going to be great. The only thing I ask is just don't eat that one tree. Don't eat the fruit from that one tree. That's it. What'd they do? They did. And right then, we don't see God. There we go. Let's start over. No. He covers them in sheep's clothing, goes and finds them in their shameful condition, and covers them, extending his mercy once again. Mercy, not, he did not give them. The definition of mercy, not giving them what they deserve and the definition of grace is giving them exactly what they don't deserve giving them what they deserve not giving them what they deserve is mercy grace is giving them what they don't deserve or when all of mankind that had turned against him during the time of Noah he didn't have to spare Noah and he did And Noah gets off and gets commode, hug, and drunk. And he spared him again. And then we see a few years or generations later, the entire civilization has gone awry again. And they build this tower. And he doesn't, with his heel from heaven, smash the tower down into oblivion like I would have done. No, 
He scatters them, confuses their language, holding out for hope. About 2,100 years before the birth of Christ, Abraham was promised that his seed would be blessed and through him all nations would be blessed. Well, he falls a little short. He is getting older and we probably would have done the same thing. And his wife comes to him and says, hey, listen, I'm 90 years old. It's never going to happen. Here you go. Here's Hagar. And God didn't say, gum it. How many times do I have to tell you? Nope. 5,000 years to, from the birth of Christ to 2,500, 2,100 years to Abraham. About 500 years later, the people of Israel go into the land. He said, don't make a covenant with those people. Don't make a covenant with those, those people around you. They'll lead you into idolatry. They aren't there a few years, and Joshua, heaven forbid, makes a covenant. You're done. Nope. 500 years from then... They're in the period of the judges. They've given themselves. What, how does it, the book ends with, and everyone did as their hearts desired or something like that? 500 years, here comes David. Chosen out of a shepherd's field, as it were. Arranges for the murder of a man. Commits adultery. And what's God do? Mercifully allows him to live. We'll read about David's confession in just a few minutes. About 500 years later, the Israelites are allowed to come back and they fall right back into the same trap of idol worship. God extends his mercy again. About 1,000 years later, Jesus Christ is born. 500 years later, Jesus Christ is born and the temple has become Wall Street. They're using the very temple of God as Wall Street money changers of the day saw the wrath of, of Christ as he turned over their temples or their, their tables and said my house will not be mocked it will be a house of prayer and you guys know the rest of the story he didn't wipe them out he sent his son 2,000 years ago during his ministry the Pharisees approach his disciples about him eating with the tax collectors and sinners and says what in heaven's name Who is this guy? This is your Messiah, eating with the tax collectors and the sinners, hanging out with the drunkards and the gluttons. And Jesus hears about it, and he says, you know what? You guys need to go and learn about mercy. That's what it says, Matthew 9, 13. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I haven't come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners. You you go learn about mercy. Go do your study, Pharisees, Eagle Bible Church, Eric Peterson. Go study about mercy. So I did. So I'm going to share just a few scriptures with you about what possibly they went back and learned. And we know these from Psalm 40 and verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. I desire to do your will. Psalm 51, the prayer and confession of David after he had uh, arranged the murder of Uriah committed adultery with Bathsheba and been confronted. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Isaiah one thirteen says this, Stop, God says, stop bringing me meaningless sacrifices. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do what is right. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. 
Hosea 6.6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Amos 5.21, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. I cannot stand your assemblies. Micah 6.6, has, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what Jesus wanted them to go and learn. The Apostle Paul understood this as well. And he would often say, I am the least of all of God's people. And he'd launch into his message or his conclusion. I'm the least of all God's people. The Apostle Paul, really. Mercy and peace are the filler of what we need when we're going to go to the Lord in praise. We don't just want lip service. We don't want a little stirring of emotion. We want a heartfelt gurgling up of praise and thanksgiving. We get upset when they're waiting at a red light. I do. I get upset when someone won't return a phone call within an hour or a day or if somebody's 10 minutes late. And heaven forbid, if they don't show up, I go through the roof. 5,000 years that we know of recorded history God's waited on you and he's waited on me there are times I kid you not when I want to pick my computer up by the screen and smash it against the wall I really have these I'm confessing to you I really want to just one day just put my heel through the screen and get a gun and just unload on it because it won't resend or whatever 5,000 years he's waited for me and you. That's why we praise him. Jesus knows how diabolically prone we are to selfish ambition and pride. And that's why he instructs us over and over again in the Gospels to take up our cross and die to self daily. Oh, how malodorous the stench of pride permeates our soul. How easily we are lured by Satan's most commonly used deception of selfish ambition and motives fueled only with the insidious outcome that just maybe, just maybe, I can have a little glory or satisfaction of my own. And maybe if I preach a really good sermon, I'll get some compliments. It's about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's about his glory in every single thing that I do and every single thing that you do. God said in Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that's my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. It all belongs to God and that's why we praise him. You ever know anyone? And if you haven't, just look in the mirror when you get home. When you sit down with them, they cannot wait for your lips to stop moving so that they can jump in and tell you just how wonderful they are or just all that they have going on or how busy their life is or just this and that and that and the other and oh, how the the burdens that they carry and on and on. And then we all, I'm guilty of this myself often, I'm telling you. I catch myself doing this with this, I cloak it in false humility. Okay, I'm gonna ask these people how they are. So I'll say, Matt, how are you doing? Good? How's work? Good? 
I close them up. It's all I can say. I don't, how, hey, how you doing, Clyde? Work going good? Family's good? Summer's good? Good. Now, let's go. Right? We, we, we ask closed questions. We don't pause. How are you? That's it. There's no agenda. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? 5,000 years, God's waited and interceded and poured out his mercy and grace, and now he gave us his son, and he sits and he intercedes for us 24-7. Let us together, dear saints, be different. Let, it make it, let us make it our ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind our own business and to work with our own hands, just as Paul told us, so that our daily life may win the respect of outsiders so that we will not be dependent on anyone. And let us, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, just across the chapter from verse chapter 4 there, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for one another. Commit right today in our own heart to pray for one another that the grip of this society, the attractions of this world will not pull us down when we're tempted to get on Facebook, how many thousands of hours accumulated right here have been wasted on Facebook or on the Internet? Thousands. That's not, I'm not, it's not an indictment on you. It's on me. Instead of interceding, instead of reading the Word, calling somebody and checking up on them, when we're tempted to criticize, let's intercede. When you're tempted to criticize or talk about somebody, intercede for them, pray for them. God's put them in your life. When we're tempted to serve our own interests, let us intercede others and rejoice in the Lord always and be anxious and not be anxious about anything. Instead, praise him in any and every situation. Like air released in a chamber below a water surface and it gurgles up just naturally, gurgling up. Let us, let us pray. The Holy Spirit will just gurgle up praise and thanks and intercession and joy and hope to those around us. Let us be very, very different. May people run to us in crisis. May they see Eagle Bible Church as a hallmark of gentleness of steadfast in their faith, convictions, strong convictions. They speak boldly, but they speak so gently and with love, I can't, I can't understand it. They have a cogent answer for everything. And if they don't, they're just sweet. They're sweet about it. And they share, they share their faith openly and unashamedly. Let us be known for a church like that. That's the introduction to Psalm 148. So why do we praise him? Because he's merciful and he's gracious and he's given us everything we need for a life of righteousness and godliness in Christ. And he's left us his Holy Spirit. And that's the preparation, if you will. That's the stage. That's the context between reading Psalm 148 and why we praise him. So if you would open your Bibles, if you want to follow along or it's up on the screen possibly. In verse 1, we'll start there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. 
Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail and snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you prince and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He's raised up for his people a horn to praise all his saints, the praise of all his saints, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. We're going to watch a short video by Louis Giglio. Many of you have probably seen this. I don't know. It's fairly new to me. That will also set the context of this psalm. And as we leave here and as you look upon creation, as you're settled in to the night or waking in the morning and you just look out, let this resonate in your ears. Let's praise the Lord. Let's, let's love mercy and grace just the way that Christ has. show you a couple more starts. This one is called the Vela Pulsar. And it's magnificent. It's a thousand light years away. It's a highly magnetized neutron star. Right. It simply means this star exploded into a supernova. And in the case of the Vela Pulsar, it collapsed back on itself in a magnetic entity. And as the pulsar, it began oscillating on its axis. This one oscillates 11 times a second on its axis. And that doesn't seem to move anybody tonight, so I just encourage you to you get back to the hotel to oscillate 11 times a second on your axis, and <laughs> you will appreciate the Vela Pulsar in a different way. And as it is oscillating, you can see what's happening. It's shooting a radio frequency out of itself. And so not only do we have this amazing photograph but we're determined to hear somebody speaking to us. And so through SETI and other highly advanced um, electromagnetic telescope programs, we're listening to the universe day and night. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when I say we, I mean we as in your tax dollars are paying large sums of money to build radio telescopes that circle the earth to continually listen to see if anybody out there is speaking to us. To date, we have not heard any intelligent life speaking back to us, but we have gotten something for our money because when they aimed the radio telescopes at the Vela Pulsar, this is what they heard. And this is what this guy does 24-7, day and night, 365 days a year. This is what, from a thousand light years away, the Vela Pulsar sounds like right now. This is it. Listen to this. But I, that blew me away. I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. 
You're like, well, what does it mean? I don't know. Is that some kind of Morse code for something? Or what, what, what does all that mean? I don't know what it means, but, and I don't want to you know, go too crazy here, but maybe the Vela Pulsar got wind somehow innately of Psalm 148, verse 3, and says, it says, praise him, sun and moon, and all you shining stars. We're a shining star. We should praise him. Well, how are we going to praise him? I know. Let's oscillate 11 times a second on our axis and see if we can send a radio signal into the universe that would join in the symphony of of God's praise from all creation. It's singing. The stars are singing to him. I recently stumbled on 47 Tuck. It's a, a beautiful uh, cluster of stars. Let's show you the picture of it here. It's about um, 16,700 light years away from where we are. And you can see just this brilliant, it looks like a sort of he shoved a lot of diamonds together into a pile. It's an unbelievable number of stars there. Look at these. They blow up that central place right there. There are 12 of these supergiant blue stars in there. But the things that are of interest to us tonight are these millisecond pulsars. 23 millisecond pulsars are there. And we've recorded 16 of them. And right now tonight, while we're sitting in this room, the 16 recorded millisecond pulsars and 47 tuck are making this sound right now. Who knew? No, God has his own string section. He's not beautiful. And we just looked at one 11 times a second pulsar and 16 millisecond pulsars, and you start seeing Psalm 48 come to life. But look down at verse 7. It says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all people. So now he's bringing us in. We've got the heavens. We have the host. We have the stars, the sun, the moon. And now he says to the earth and he names everything on the earth in some form or fashion. And then he brings in us kings of the earth, verse 11, and all people, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. I love that he starts with you great sea creatures. We were in Hawaii a few months ago, and it was whale season there, and, and I was captivated by these giant beasts, and they, they seemed like they were 
putting on a show for us. They'd splash up and roll over and spout and blow. And it was beautiful. And as we were talking to some of the natives about the whales and asking all these questions, how do they get here every year? And how do they know to come to the same place to have their, their young, their offspring? And how do they know how to journey? And he said, oh, you know, the whales, one of the main ways they get around is through the whale songs that they sing. And I got Psalm 148 all inside of me, and I'm like, no kidding, I, 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 I'm sure they do. And so I got to figure out what the whales sing, and so I start doing a little research, and I go online to find the whale songs, and I just want to bring it to you, because some of you live in Minnesota and don't even know where an ocean is, and so the, the whale songs could sound like this right here. Take a listen. tonight. That's, that's, what, that's what's happening in all creation. And I had this crazy idea, and I, I, um, I don't know if you know what a mashup is or not, but I had this crazy mashup idea. And I started trying to think, what would it be like to be God? Because we so elevate our, our songs, and that, this is no comment on, on what we've sung tonight. I'm a songwriter, and I believe in artists, and I, I believe in what we do in corporate worship through song and through music, and, and one of the expressions of our worship. But I don't think we have a clue, because we don't know the expanse of the worship that is continually surrounding the throne of God. And our songs are great, but God isn't banking on our songs, because He is surrounded by a symphony that's bigger than our wildest dreams tonight. Stars sing and whales sing and the birds fly. And I just tried to imagine what would it sound like if you could just for a second be God and hear what he hears. And I can't get us there tonight, but I, I came close. I had a friend who helped me with this little iPad program. And, and I'm not a DJ, but I, I just a little thing, just quickly. And I, I want you to see how this works. I, I brought this guy in. Um, he's um, not somebody that we had uh, going already, but um, I brought one guy in. He, he should, you should be hearing him by now. I don't know. Are we, are we on? Yeah, if we could get just a little more volume, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Just even a little more volume would be fantastic. Thank you. I'm kind of maxed out here. There we go. This guy, we didn't look at his picture. He's PSRBO329-54. And he's only rotating one and a half times per second, which is not all that much, but we need him in our little experiment we're going to do here, okay? Um, and then we had the Vela Pulsar. You remember the Vela Pulsar, right? So that's that guy. But that's a little too fast for what we're trying to do, so we're going to slow that down, okay? slowed down and put in sync with each other. It's not a real groovy crowd, I know, but I, I know where I am, but it's kind of groovy if you hear it. 
and some of you want to nod a little bit, but you don't know if that's allowed at a reform meeting, and so um, you just do as the Spirit leads. But isn't that cool? That's just two pulsars. And so we're going to put the, uh, the millisecond guys in there, the ones you just heard. Here they come. You know, you're like, whoa, 
What the point is simply this, that God is a God who doesn't need anything, and he honestly doesn't need any of us. He doesn't need a band. He doesn't need a song. He's got a universe. I'll show you a couple more stars. Hopefully, you'll never read Psalm 148 the same again, and we are actually going to sing that song together with that fresh in our mind of just two stars and some whales and when I first watched that, I literally just burst out in tears in my office, praise the Lord. It's just absolutely fascinating. Billions of galaxies, and you've seen his presentation on how many stars. It's just phenomenal. So let's uh, close in prayer, and then we'll uh, ask the guys to hand out the elements, and we'll share together in that. It is uh, overwhelming as... Uh, Mr. Rodmacher said, when we consider, Lord, your mercy and your grace, and when we really, really just take time and pause and, and get before you, God, with outstretched arms and open hearts, we thank you and we praise you for your son, Jesus, for offering him as a sacrifice of atonement, that through faith in his blood and in his birth, his life, his death, and in his resurrection through the power of the Holy Spirit that you left us, we can stand here. We can stand in your presence by faith and ask to be forgiven. And as a, as a body of believers, we, we ask that you would forgive us and we receive that forgiveness. We thank you, God, and ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit as we leave here, as we examine our hearts for just a few minutes more, Lord, before we take of your... Uh, Elements, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would move. God, that you'd continue your change and sanctification process in all of us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.